0: Last episode, we dove into how labor issues are currently a pressing concern with hospital executives. And on today's podcast, we're going to explore that topic in more depth, examining how you, as a medtech exec and salesperson, can use this as an avenue of opportunity. The medtech experts explore what has been occurring to make this such a large concern, generating a thirty-seven percent increase in labor costs. Everything you need to know about labor issues in the hospital at the MedTech Business Academy.
1: All right. Well, excited about this one. I just wanted to give everybody an update. I thought it'd be nice to give everybody an update from uh, a recent conference I was at. I was at the Device Talks Boston show this week, um, which is a great show, primarily tailored, obviously, to the MedTech audience, but especially for uh, some of the earlier stage companies, mid-stage companies, mostly looking to network uh, as well as uh, tap into some of the equity markets and the resources around them. Uh, most of the talk on stage really centered around two key areas of concern, particularly for this cohort, uh, that I think are good topics of discussion. First one is obviously the, the biggest concern in all the world is capital, uh, as you know, hopefully nobody's looked at their financial statements Um, because that would be a really bad idea right now. Uh, (laughs) uh, But there's a major concern, especially in those early stage companies, of what's going to happen with capital. Um, The resounding response was capital still exists. Uh, However, that money is probably not going to be as flowing as it was. Uh, We're in a period now where there's a lot of unicorns out there. And there's a thought that some of those unicorns are probably going to start to get slaughtered here. Um, And second to that, uh, the valuations and the expectations for how they're going to start writing these checks moving forward are going to be condensed significantly. So companies are really going to have to step up their game, which will be a discussion for a future podcast uh, about what to do to prepare for a raise. The second topic that came up uh, was largely again from a macroeconomic sense it's a byproduct of what we're seeing and everybody's reading these these aspects and this is really the main focus for today is the impact on the labor situation within the provider you know 37 percent increase in labor costs massive turnover um, significant amounts of travel nurses being used to augment staff etc so you, know, you have staff leaving an up to 20% staff turnover, primarily amongst nurses and techs. Um, so as it relates to that, what I was hearing from these early and mid-stage companies is they're having an incredible difficulty getting in to hospitals because hospitals are basically saying, we don't have the capacity, the bandwidth, the wherewithal to take on a new project right now. So we're just sticking with what we have And at some point we'll look to a new technology, we'll look to bring in something else, but we just don't have the effort to really do that. Is that something that you guys are hearing from your customers? What are you guys seeing? Uh, Tell me what you think.
2: I think it's a really good point. And it's almost like a vicious cycle, like these, uh, a nurse is in a hospital. She's part of the regular staff. Then she sees a traveling nurse come in making twice what she makes. Twice she says, and she says, or four times, yeah. So she says, What am I doing? You know, I'm going to quit and become a traveling nurse. And so you have this vicious cycle taking place as more people try to fill the traveling nurses, and it creates spots for traveling nurses. And it just this, um, the cost of labor in hospitals is just blown up. And yeah, it creates, there's a lot of trickle down problems, um, especially when you have people coming in from outside to work in a hospital, they may not be as familiar with the protocols, um, the, the products that that hospital has been cleared to use, and they're not, they're not part of the approval system, typically, for a new product. So you have all these problems that come up with this
3: so i'm familiar obviously with the shortage and how it's impacting my clients and my business but the term i have not heard which is interesting is travel nurse so can somebody just share with us like what is a travel nurse and what you know where do they fit into the scheme of things now and why are they getting four times the money sure it's and it's strictest is basically a contract
1: type of situation where they're contracting for a set period of time um outside help so Usually it's three to six month contracts. Sometimes it's one year, Um, but they're essentially saying we don't have the resources internally. So we're going to contract that out and bring in these contracted travel nurses. And so these people are known as travel nurses because literally they take these three month contracts, move into a geographic location, usually fairly distant. And then they move from that contract to the next contract and are pretty transient. Um, for the period of one year, two years, three years, however they want, to, however long, yeah. they want to do that.
4: And so I think it's important to note this traveling nurses is not a new term. We've been using the term traveling nurses, at least in my career, I started hearing it around the 2000s or so, and mainly like in OR and specialty areas where you've got to keep those rooms running and things, but you might not have enough say cardiology trained or orthopedic trained nurses and, and that sort of thing. And so you go out to these companies that have now been formed, There's lots of them out there that have these pool of traveler nurses and then health systems do contracts with them. There's a lot of contracts on GPOs for them, not, whatever. And so one of the things we used to do was help to negotiate those contracts so that um, If we consolidated a lot of the separate contracts we had with traveling nurses into maybe one or two or three of those big primary ones, we could get some better rates, we could get some um, uh, longer contracts, maybe those sorts of things, but COVID just brought everything out and now we're filling gaps as Ted and um, Skinder have already pointed out with traveling nurses. however, hospitals are doing one of several things. One is they're either still contracting with a lot of them, and sort of the money is is really not green anymore. It's red, or they're actually figuring out a way to do their own traveling nurses kind of internally. You can kind of take what you learned from COVID and know that maybe there are clinics or other areas you don't need to keep open. And so you do this sort of replacement and shifting around, depending on how large you are, or they're raising the dollars per hour or salary or however the nurses in your particular area get paid for doing certain things as high as they can. So we'll kind of leave that there because we'll dovetail into, but how does that affect me supplier med tech person? Yeah.
5: Yeah. We had that at mercy. We actually, we did a fair amount when I was back um, running innovation in the supply chain um, around traveling nurses and, and how you do it. it. And it started off kind of like you said, Barbara, like it was just a person here, person there, but now it's like large groups of nurses. Right. So, I don't know the numbers, but I'd be willing to bet that if you looked at the nursing salaries, like where they go versus you know full-time employees versus um, travelers, it's probably gone from two percent to twenty percent at this point, Mm. if if not higher. I mean, it's just it's sky high. And what we found in St. Louis is there'd be nurses who they may have been working at Mercy, then they started traveling, they went across the street to BJC and then over to SSM and then over here to St. Luke's and then back, like, and they just kind of make the circuit. Um, and so it happens um, routinely. And a lot of these people, it started off again, kind of like what you were saying, Skander, is they'd have to go out to like Alaska, right? Not anymore. Right. Like they can, you can be a tra- a traveling nurse on 13 week assignments across all the health systems in the greater St. Louis area and never never have to leave and still make boatloads more than you would if you were a full-time employee. So, so
1: the yeah. underlying thing is that it's literally a 19% attrition rate within nurses and techs right now, yeah. largely attributable to retirement. So as a result of that, there's a one out of five person that uh, labor pool that needs to be filled. And that's Mike to answer to address your question. That's essentially what is causing such a significant increase in need for travel nurses now.
5: So we teased it. Why should I, as the head of sales for a medical device company, give a flying rip about uh, traveling nurses and
2: how much they cost? Well, It goes back to what Skinner said, which is that with these costs, the unpredictability of the costs, the Nature of the people that aren't really part of the hospital team necessarily, and they're not part of the decision making process, and the fact that the hospital is overloaded with this the whole issue of, of um, the staffing, they don't have time to talk about a new product. They don't, maybe, maybe they don't have the money, but they don't have the time, they're just too busy doing other things. So, how so for the sales manager, for the marketing person, actually, for the whole company, everybody should be concerned about it is, um. How do you influence a decision in favor of your products in this environment?
4: That's a really tough one, because I have too many things going around in my head. So hopefully I can get them all out by the time uh, we get time. (laughs) But um there are people who still haven't really opened up value analysis and that sort of thing because of so many of these pressures i know some still aren't opening up until this coming summer in july because they're still trying to stabilize in general but the more we're waiting the more other things sort of affect stuff so in certain markets they're really not seeing or looking at new things however If there's a new thing that can help with workflow so you don't need as many techs or nurses or so many people at a certain level to do certain activities, then you should be listening. On the other hand, and you slightly mentioned the money aspect, Ted, is if all these dollars are now going into keeping the nurses we have, recruiting others and paying travelers, then there isn't much money to actually purchase something else. The third confounding thing is all of the back orders and not being able to get products. So you do need to see other suppliers and things in certain categories, but then it goes back to but nobody's going to know how to use them. And how are we going to train them to be used? So it's like all these gerbil wheels all going. And uh, hopefully you're reading the six or the nine on the money ball, right? For, for a lottery, but it's very confounding. So you really have to know a lot about what's really going on in each of the markets that you hope to sell in.
2: I would, I would say, I'm just thinking, um, while you're talking there, Barbara, if if I was a company and I have a device, um, and or maybe there's a service related to that device, I would want to look back and where does this device fit into the care of a patient, mm-hmm. and maybe think about if there's a a workflow along which my device plays a part. What are the other devices that play a part? I might want to work with a couple other. Uh, they're not competitors, but a couple other uh, provi- uh, uh, device companies and decide and work with them and say, how can we as a as a group of companies show that we can reduce hospital stay by X amount, that we can do- reduce the amount of time it takes to care for a patient by Y amount. Um, maybe we should work together so we can explain to these hospitals how we're going to reduce the amount of Healthcare professional time is required for each of these patients. That's just one idea. So I'm trying to think outside the box, like, instead of sitting in your silo, think about who else is in this with you, talk to them, become a team and approach the hospital system as a team. I, I don't know.
1: I mean, I can tell you, because, uh, again, as part of the device talks, uh, MedTech Innovator, which congratulations to that, that, that team and that program. They do a great job. But they had a pitch event, and, and they train their people very well, and they help uh, train them through the pitch. I can tell you almost unequivocally of the 22 pitches that I heard, again, from mid-stage companies, almost all of them, and you could see it happening as a response to this, had some sort of labor component in their mm-hmm. pitch and were referencing. Now they're med tech companies, right, of varying. Some were robotics, some were AI, software, some were straight devices, etc. But almost all of them in somewhere in their pitch referenced the value they can bring to staff
4: workload. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, just think if you could have a person monitoring dashboards looking at things rather than having to visit patient to patient to patient to patient and not getting to all the patients, there's a lot of difference there. So there's a lot of these companies that if they, like you said, Ted, so if a device needed to be used and these signals would come up, then you'd know when and where to use it, not just place it on everybody. All right. So there's ways to think about these things hmm
3: You know, I think at the end of the day, Barbara, what you said is paramount in that if there's, a, if there's a product, let's say like a lateral patient transfer device that can prevent nurses from getting injured or only takes one nurse to move a patient as opposed to two, or it brings some value there to the nursing community and reduces the, the clinical labor piece, clearly those companies have a story to tell, and I would venture to say that they'll be listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that look, there are hospital budgets out there right now. If you're in the capital equipment business and you're in a lab analyzer market, or you're selling MRIs or nuclear cameras, uh, you know there are budgets that are already being established for those things because the repl- they need to be replaced because they're they're older pieces of equipment that mm-hmm. you know you as a company need to know the landscape. Uh, if you're in a capital business of knowing who's in the market and the age of the equipment that's out there right now, so you're not mm-hmm. wasting time calling on accounts that don't have the time to talk to you, and so right. I think you know having that profile data, either buying it or you know building an inside sales force to accumulate that knowledge for you would be very very significant because obviously time is money, and putting people in front of people that don't have a need for that equipment right now would be foolish. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing that people just have to be real about is if I'm selling a disposable that's 2% cheaper and does nothing different than anybody else, this is not your time right now.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a me too time for that. No. Nope. Me too can be used differently in this case. And the yeah, only yeah. thing where Me too comes in right now, uh,
1: it, because of the massive back orders across yeah. the industry yeah. and mm-hmm. the need for more supplier diversity than ever before, there is a place where Me Too's can have a stage and a presence, but you have to present it as this is just another opera. This is just a, 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 a um, what am I looking for? A, like a
4: stopgap or something. stopgap yeah.
1: opportunity, right? That's that's what it could be. Understand mm-hmm. your customer and say, look, I get it. You can't do a whole system-wide program that, that transitions to my product, but inevitably I know my competition. They're going to have back orders here soon. Here's mm-hmm. an alternative that you can use. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. To the extent that you can uh, focus in on, first of all, supply chain is a, is a big deal. I was... Um, talking to a a gentleman who is very knowledgeable about um, international supply chain yesterday. And um, let's just say that the challenges that we're getting, the international supply chain challenges that we're experiencing today are going to be worse six months from now, like Mm -hmm. period, full stop. And so I think anybody who has uh, quantity of their products and it's something that's used in the hospital, um, we'll find sales opportunities. We'll find opportunities to sell their stuff just based on the fact, like I got things. Do you need them? Yes. Like that is a world that we're going to walk into, and it's going to get more um, sort of visible about that. So that's kind of one thing to think about. The next thing to think about is um, with turnover. Like again, because I'm I'm always thinking about like what's how do we get in? How do we take advantage of this opportunity? Um, the the stickiness of Products, because say the nurses love it, is going to go down because they're leaving in droves, right? So the reality is, I mean, again, I'm always looking for like, hey, how do we make this work? I think that that's a piece that you can you can play up as well. Is like, hey, your staff is new, so you know they're not they're not beholden to this device or that device. They're probably not they're not going to yell as much because they're not going to be there for long. So because we used to hate that, right? Like when we ever had to do a conversion at Mercy, we knew that we were going to get howling from, you know, the nurses or the lab techs or whoever was going to be. But if they're only going to be there for 13 weeks, then the likelihood that they're going to complain loudly enough to
4: do something about it is fairly minimal. Um, And this is interesting is because when the traveler's have come in no matter when we started it or not they would say you know at the other hospital I worked we used this and it was really good because we didn't have to do that or that Mm -hmm. so in effect you're kind of getting more of that uh, infusion of I'll use whatever and this might be better than something that we had reviewed before and and, you know poo-pooed it because we didn't like x or y but we have a bunch of people who used it. So there is so much going on. So I think Mike said it right, by: you got to know what's really going on mm-hmm. and understand what's going on. And on the capital side, there are a lot of places that don't have certificate of need now and things. And so they don't have to wait for certain things in certain areas. So there's so many different moving parts. I think the capital one is interesting. I, I don't know who
5: it was, Ted, it might've been you who said it or, or somebody else, but they were describing how um, Abbott and I haven't confirmed this, but what I was, what I was told is Abbott's next version of the continuous glucose monitor is going to go to market first as a wellness device. And then second as a, a true medical device for management of type one, diabetes and blood sugar. Right. So um, I thought that was fascinating because, you know, you think about what does it cost to have a wellness device versus an FDA approved regulated device? Like it's orders of magnitude different.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And,
5: and so if I'm an early stage company and um, right, I have something that kind of plays in that space, I might want to seriously consider is my first step to go direct to consumer um, for a, a, a non-regulated purpose to get revenue going. To then use that to go back to either raise a round of capital or to potentially even get to break even on my own without having to take capital in. Like those are the kinds of things I think we have to think about. And we're seeing those doors open from some of the biggest players
4: in the industry. And you're liable to get feedback and data that you can actually use to support things. The one
1: thing that, that we've, we've been talking to clients about a lot in, in the conversion process with this transient type of uh, uh, labor is the need to make uptake really, really easy. Yeah, It right. has to be easy. You have to dumb it down to the nth degree because, again, you might be dealing with somebody who's on the 11th week of a 13-week contract and they don't care enough they have somebody who's on week three, but knows that they're going to check out and just go through the motions. Yet at the end of the day, we'll still gravitate to the old product if they can't figure this one out because what do they care 10 weeks from now? They're gone anyway. Um, but those that have really made it as easy as possible for the staff to understand, to use it, et cetera, have had the greatest success right now.
2: You know, that. so the things we've talked about Mike brought up one very ba- uh, very basic thing and that is to really know your customer, know the status of the, especially if it's capital equipment, know the status of the equipment, the age, the likelihood it'll be replaced, the condition, whatever. So that that's just paying attention to your market. So I think that, that was a really good point. And a lot of times the salespeople and sales processes, it's, it's easy to forget to do these basic blocking and tackling type of things. So I think that was really good. The second was that, if you are a me too type of product is to decide, is it not your time or do you need to go out and volunteer to various customers to be their backup supply and help position yourself and be ready to be the backup supply, like have the contract in place, have whatever it is in in place. So the minute they run into trouble, they don't have to jump through any hoops. They can just call you and place the order. So I think that that was another um, really interesting uh, thought. Making it, then the other thing we were talking about was making it as easy as possible. That sort of goes to my workflow. Like if you are working, if you're in a, a continuum of care type of workflow for a particular element of patient care, and there's two or three devices, you might want to conspire with the other devices, manufacturers, to see how maybe it's a software package. Maybe you need something that makes all these things work so easily. It goes back to Skinner's comment, make it really easy. And all these things work together and boom, you're done. It's it's not like you have to fit something in and plug it in and do a software patch or do whatever it might be. So those are some of the things. What else have we got?
5: I think, again, this is probably to a longer horizon, but to the extent that you can and we've kind of said this before, but to the extent that you cannot require the hospitals to have to have as much staff to to convert to your product, whether you're reaching out to our good friends at uh, the Clinician Exchange, or you have your own internal telemedicine aspect for your widget, like if you can take that burden off of, uh, an assuming that we're selling the IDNs here, um, I I think you're going to stand to win because staffing and recruiting and all that retaining is hard and it's easier for the med tech industry than it is um, for providers because margins are better and uh, that kind of thing. So um, plus you can kind of spread things out if you're using like a telemedicine play. So that would be the other thing that I would think about to potentially get a leg up on, on the sales uh, opportunities for a set.
3: Okay. The other thing I think that everybody uh, on the sales and leadership side needs to obviously be focused on and just dealing with it, and that is your cost per lead and your cost per sale is going to go up in an environment like this, mm-hmm. right? So what we're seeing on an inside sales perspective is literally most of our cost per lead has gone up anywhere between 50% to 100% of what it was pre-COVID. Right. So just to generate an opportunity where somebody has a bona fide interest, need and willing to either switch and or have a budget, that process of identifying that person or those opportunities has gone up significantly. So that's going to increase the cost of sales uh, that you need to do. And, you know, there's two schools here. Right. There's either you do more because you have to do more because the opportunities are harder to find and get to or you do less and you just fold up. And so, uh, you know, for those of us in leadership, I think we need to be very focused in on right now, turning up the frequency and the the different types of ways we're going to market, I think is paramount. Scott, I'm interested on your your side of the business, you know, just because digital marketing obviously is the buzzword. Everybody knows you got to get into digital and now everybody's jumping into digital. What's going on to like cost per leads in your world? Yeah, good question.
5: Um, What I would say here at (laughs) gyrusmarketing.com,
3: what
5: what we're seeing is uh it's getting more challenging. I mean, we're getting more um our cost per leads are going up, not substantially. I mean, they're they're up probably 20%, 30%, um, high side of like the typical ups and downs. Um, what we're seeing is we, we continue to see the same level of engagement of interest, but people are becoming more selective about whether or not they're going to engage beyond that. Like, I will watch your video, but am I going to give you my information? Right. We see that starting to, to slip a little bit. Um, and and I think I think there's some reasons behind that. Uh, I'd be curious to get your what you're seeing, but I think it's because um, people are not in front of their computers as much as they were back you know, six, nine, 12 months ago. And so they have smaller windows of engagement time. Um, We still see, I mean, it's still great. I mean, the the numbers to get a good qualified lead are still very, uh, very much in favor of a manufacturer. It's just, whereas it was, you know, super, super low a year ago, now it's um, still lower, but, you know, it's creeping up a bit.
3: No, and I'm with you. I mean, look, the, the the ratios are still playing and people are still getting a tremendous return on investment. It's just not the heyday that it was beforehand when very few people were using inside sales or fewer people were using digital marketing. Obviously, that was the gravy train, right?
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, I we, mean were, the, we were the at a the qualified thing I... cost per lead. Sorry, just give you a sense. Like, we were at a qualified cost per lead of like $25 um, right when COVID hit. And for, for uh, cardiology medical devices i mean they were it was and these are cardiologists saying yes today it's you know up from there it's close to 100 bucks or you know give or take but i mean it's the economics are still there it's just man it was so nice back then
2: speaking on the the digital stuff i'm i'm an n of one Mm -hmm. but i've been really busy the last three or four weeks and i just have not been on linkedin i have not been on facebook and i i'll go in there and there's like Ten messages, or there's 50 notifications, or whatever, and you just don't have time to go through it. And I think people are back on the road a little bit. They're mm-hmm. busy. They're busier. They're doing a little bit more face to face, and I think that interferes with um, the ability for you know digital to work as well. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, but I'll tell you that the one thing that is powerful that I know Scott, you guys do is that's you know promote on things like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Because people yep. are still staring at that phone hours per day on their breaks or whatever. And if you just happen to catch them in a non-traditional medical mm-hmm. device medium, yep. you, you, you have an opportunity to grab their attention.
5: You do. I, I find too, you got to make sure, and your team is really good about this uh, on the phone, is you have to actually know the value propositions that are going to resonate with them. And um, because you don't go into healthcare without being at least curious about the thing that you're working on. And so what we find is the areas where um, somebody has a thing, right? What's the value proposition that's going to catch their attention? If that gets done really well, then you're still going to have great success. Um, Here's one thing that I've been seeing, and I'd be curious to get y'all's take too, is uh, we're finding that, and I don't want to call anybody out, but we're finding that a lot of companies are not nearly as good at tracking their sales processes as they believe that they are and um so when we've been going in working with uh companies we're getting in and being like hey what's your close ratio and they're like i don't know which if if you're asking if you're asking scott alexander your newly hired chief revenue officer to figure out okay where do you do like what's the what's the thing that you got to focus in on i'm going to make sure that my sales reps are lightning in a bottle when they get an opportunity because that's what you should be doing regardless of whether the cost per lead is a dollar or a million dollars. Like you need to make sure that you're converting these opportunities. And I find that um, over the past couple of years, that's become less and less of a focus. And right now, I think as an industry, we're not terribly strong at that. Um, so I don't know if you guys are seeing something similar, but that was one thing that has been hitting me in the face quite a bit.
2: Yeah. Okay. And again, I'm, I'm getting yeah. But I'm getting the hook from... Um, yeah. oh, okay, good. Um, drop from that but yeah. one, one, one thing I would like to say sort of goes to your point, Scott, uh, which could be a whole podcast, I think. And yeah. one of the points that Mike that made earlier, you know, take inside sales for an example. I think some people have to, um, as a, a, another thought would be, to get out of their old ideas of what a sales organization is like and maybe bring in some new tools because an inside salesperson is totally different type of mentality than a field salesperson. And maybe you need that kind of type of mentality to do some of this basic groundwork to help set you up for sales in a difficult environment. Um, Anyway, I don't know, Skander, Barbara, you got some final comments before before we wrap this up?
4: Well, I just have one just based on what you said, and we've said it like now for a year and a half is supplier med tech early whatever you need to keep looking internally and reading all the tea leaves and signs around you and you have to keep figuring out what to do you can't just say oh i figured it out eight months ago we're golden but so many things keep changing so you have to really keep bearing down internally and looking at your processes like scott said if you're not watching certain things it's gonna slip away from you. Yeah,
1: I agree. I I think in today's day and age, you have to be more dynamic than static just because you spent, I I see this all the time where companies like, we brought in everybody from around the country. We had this meeting in January and we said, this is gonna be our value proposition. That's great and all, but if you can't have that with some level of dynamics to it to accommodate what is happening to your customer base and you can't adapt as it goes, that value proposition isn't really that valuable.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's a great thought to wrap this up on.
5: Dale and Eskander, good job.
2: Yeah, thanks everybody.
0: Travel nursing, attrition, retirement, labor issues are here and not going away anytime soon. A savvy organization can use this as an opportunity to capitalize and influence hospitals in favor of their products collaborating with other organizations as a team, or packaging your product with a labor overlay. Thinking outside the box and innovating ideas will be the way that take you from the conversation phase through to implementation. Continue to earn your MBA with the MedTech Business Academy. Tune in next week as we explore inside sales. We look forward to having you there and thank you for tuning in.